welcome to the podcast at thinkingchristian.net with Tom Gilson. This is an exercise in imagination and worship. Its purpose is to help us to get a glimpse of God's greatness by seeing some in some distant, dim way how vastly different he is from us and how much greater he is. You may wonder as we begin where this is going. Be assured that by the end it will be very practical and I hope also very worshipful for you too. I started thinking about these things months ago, and I've spent literally hours wondering over them. I haven't come close to grasping what it all means that I'll be sharing with you, but my view of God has expanded many times over from making the effort. Now, since this is going to begin with an exercise in imagination, I'm going to suggest you find a place where you can sit comfortably and close your eyes. Feel free to pause this track until you can get settled down there. Are you ready to go? Good. Then it's time to begin, and you'll understand right away why I suggested that you relax and close your eyes, because I want you to imagine that you are alone. There is nothing but you. I do not say imagine you are alone in the world. I want you to imagine you are more alone than that. There is no world. There is only you. Nothing else exists. This will take some effort. In fact, when I tried this with my family, my daughter said, my brain hurts, but I want you to try to think of being so alone that there is no chair under you. There never has been. There is only you. That's a stretch. And I can't really expect you to achieve it, but go ahead and try. Give it your best shot anyway. Well, now it's time for you not to be alone anymore. You're going to create something to exist in this world along with you. Something other than yourself. What will it be? Trees? Sky? No fair. No fair. In this exercise, there are no trees to start with. You're starting from scratch. You have only your imagination to work with. No other raw materials. You've never seen a sky, you've never seen light or dark, you have no experience with colors, and you've never heard a sound. It's up to you to make up everything from within yourself. Now, can you imagine doing that? Can you conceive of thinking up something so utterly and completely new the way God did? You can't do it, obviously. No one could but God. Does this begin to give you a deeper sense of what God did in Genesis 1 and 2? Of course, I hope you don't think I'm encouraging you to think you're God. My purpose is exactly the opposite, to help us see what a huge distance separates us from him. We're not done stretching ourselves yet. You're listening to my voice, which comes from outside yourself. You heard me ask you to imagine creating something other than yourself. Well, now... If you were really in the position of our Creator God, the very idea of something outside yourself wouldn't exist yet. When God created the world, he had to first invent the very idea of other than myself, from his perspective. For there was no such thing as other than himself. There was Trinity, the three persons of the Godhead, communicating with one another in love, but nothing else. There was nothing but God. He was, and he remains, being itself. Before creation, he was all of reality, and all of reality was God. A very good, loving God, that is. Have you ever thought about how lucky we are that 
this one reality is good? I mean, what if we had landed in a reality where God wasn't good? But no, there I've gotten mixed up. There is no other reality we could have landed in. There never was, and there never could be. Luck had nothing to do with it. Being itself, the being that is God, is very, very good. The reality we live in, where God is the good God, is the only reality, a good reality. Now, if you were to continue in this thought experiment, you would have to try to imagine yourself being the only reality that there is, the only being that there is. But no, the message, of course, is that God is far beyond us, far beyond our imagination. So we can set that exercise aside for now. I think it's taken us as far as it can. But let's continue to ponder what God did. First of all, he thought all this up without any example to copy from. No cue cards, no cheat sheets. It all came from his own immense creativity. It's been said that he created the universe out of nothing, and this is true. But it's easy to get the sense of that wrong. To think of it as if God found some place where there was nothing and created everything from there. But that's not what he did. In fact, do you realize that if that actually were the way he did it, he would have had to invent nothing first? There was no such thing as nothing for him to work with. He was himself in a way that we cannot humanly grasp everything. And then he thought of everything. Sometimes I think I'm pretty creative, and then I I look at a maple leaf. Couldn't come up with that idea. And then I look at a maple tree. Musical composers often write variations on a theme. How many variations has God written on the theme of maple leaf? And during our imagination exercise, when you were trying to think of yourself as the only thing that exists, did you think of yourself floating somewhere in space? I'm quite sure that's the best we humans could do with that kind of thought picture. It's very different from God's reality. God wasn't floating in space, for there was no space. He was, as he still is, the fullness that fills all in all. Except that even the concept of fillings falls short of the truth. If we think of it as some space being occupied, there was no space. There was just God. Oh, and by the way, if you thought of yourself floating in some kind of dark space, you were doubly distant from God's reality. In him is no darkness. Of course, this is metaphorical. God is light, but he is not photons. He is all the goodness that we associate with light. Well, let's keep going. When he spoke and light sprang into being, where did God put it? I'm serious. Where did God put it? The scientists tell us that energy and space and time all came into being at once at the Big Bang. If you don't believe in the Big Bang, at least know that on this point, science and theology agree, there was no space and no time until the beginning, when God made it. And there is good reason to believe that space and time were created in that first moment when he created light. So where did God put this new thing we call space? This is going in an important direction. Did he put it inside himself or somewhere nearby? He certainly didn't put it outside himself. There was no outside, for God was all. And there was no inside either, because 
God doesn't have sides. He doesn't occupy space that way, and space doesn't occupy him either. Then shall we say, God is bigger than the universe? Well, that wouldn't be quite correct. Does God have a size? What yardstick would you use to measure him? It's not just that we don't have yardsticks big enough to do it. It's that our yardsticks are are for measuring space, and God is not in space. Think of it this way. God is where you are in your chair. God is across the street. And he is present at the furthest reaches of the cosmos. So if you walk across the street, are you walking through God to get there? No, because all of God is right where you are. And all of God is across the room, and all of God is on Saturn and at the far corner of the galaxy and much farther than that. When you walk across the room, you're not passing from one part of God to another. He has no parts. He's all there, everywhere, all of him. So perhaps now, thinking of all this dizzying array of things to ponder, perhaps now you have a new sense of how utterly amazing God is, how unimaginably greater than us he is. Perhaps it raises another question in your mind. As great as he is, why does he bother with us? He's so different from us, so much more vast and wise. He can do what he wants. Why does he put up with us? Or, from another perspective, why doesn't he just go ahead and solve our problems? Why does he make us look for him? Why does he make us wait for him? The answer, I think, lies in this, that God's absolute greatness extends to his being a greatly personal, greatly loving God. There's still mystery here, yes, just as there is with respect to everything else we've been talking about. What does it mean for God to be personal? Can we even imagine that on his scale? Well, whatever it means, it is more than we can understand, but it is certainly not less than we can understand, and we can understand what it means to let someone be real, be genuine, and be free to live and to love. That's what God has done with us. He allows us to be real, to be genuine, to live our lives, to learn to love one another, and especially to love him to search for him, to know him through the search and through faith, and to love him. He's always there, moving in and through us, to grow his people up, to be complete in him, prepared for life and for eternity. He is right there, fully present with you, right there where you sit. The unmeasurable God who created the universe, who so encompasses all that is, that the universe cannot even be compared to him for infinity, is fully and completely present with you, all of him, in all of his infinite love. If you have comprehended any of what I've shared with you just now, you're a better Christian than I. I've only puzzled over it. Yet as I have puzzled and pondered over God and his greatness, I have gained a much deeper appreciation for his ever-present reality, and my wonder at his love has grown as well. I hope you will take further time to meditate on these things, and that in the process your sense of worship will grow too.
podcast is copyright 2010 by Tom Gilson. Thank you.